Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Ira Jersey, and Jason is in East Asia doing his DJ thing. But with me today are frequent substitutes from Richmond City 93 podcast. It's Elliot. And Elliot's laughing. I, I don't know what the joke is here. Is everyone making fun of me? I'm laughing. I'm laughing because of the fact of Wes that I was looking for. Wes started laughing, so I couldn't. Uh, and Wes's dog is, has to get involved. Elliot's like. Uh, like getting pumped for the party, he's kind of dancing. And I started laughing, and then he started laughing. We're off to a great start. Very well, that, 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 that other voice is Capital Combustion's own. He's just gotten over his hangover from Lansing's 5 0 win this weekend. It's Weston Shelton. Uh, Weston, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, uh, Capital Combustion's a little different from this podcast. Let's just say that. It's it's a different yeah, tone. Yeah, they, they have an for for one thing they have an e in uh, on their uh, on their podcast, whereas we try to be family friendly. So, so side note, uh, questioning Jason's devotion to lower soccer. I mean, prioritizing international travel over U.S. League One. Just um, I'm you know I'm a little concerned. No, 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 no. He's a- <laughs> Better question is who's funding these trips? <laughs> <laughs> So, so if you actually want to know, I, I, I don't know if Jason has cleared me to say this. So this is like top secret stuff that I'm going to gonna out right now. But Jason has two passions, DJing and soccer. And his DJ gig actually pays him and they pay his expenses to go on these trips. So th- this is like free vacations for him, basically. And he stays out at night at nightclubs and dances and DJs and, you know, does whatever else he does, you know, late at night. And then during the day, he, you know, sleeps probably most of the time. But, you know, that's basically his life. So from now on, I expect Jason to be on the show with, like, the Miami Vice shirt to be, like, button, like <laughs> right in his belly button and, like, multiple gold chains. <laughs> hey, my guy, my guy. Like, well, you, you check out his Twitter feed because you, you'll see him in the alley in Berlin, like in some clothes that, you know, come right out of the 1970s, man. Oh, All right. God. So you, you would know, Ira. You would know. <laughs> I would know. I was there. I had the plaid pants. I, I had all that stuff. So, yeah, no, definitely. So uh, so a couple of things. So firstly, Weston and Elliot have both been on the show multiple times, but never together. And I didn't realize that until right before we started recording when they mentioned it. So, guys, welcome and thanks very much for coming on the show because this is a packed show tonight for sure. Oh, it that- is. That's why we both can't stop smiling. We're just so happy to finally be, be united, you know. Yeah. Okay. So I'm so doing his dirty work to keep him in second place. So <laughs> so firstly, let me say that uh, that you know we had some some news on uh, that's that's in the process of being verified. But Sock Takes came out with a report today, uh, or or in the last 24 hours, saying that there were a couple of West Coast MLS two teams that might come down. That Riverside might have a new. Uh, expansion team that seems possible with uh with uh who, who was it as roma was, was that it uh yeah it was as yeah. roma um riverside right i think yeah so riverside california was. and as roma was maybe involved somehow as either a partial owner or a primary owner and uh and and also uh new england were going to be coming in as new usl league one teams along with the already announced omaha so that would make for a 15 team league and you know there was a nice twitter uh conversation we had today on our uh um on our, uh, when I posted the article talking about, you know, how would we do playoffs and what would the, the league look like with these 64 um, alerts? I, I got it. 
I don't yes, think 64 it, alerts. Yeah. So, you know, pretty active conversation. That was nice. I, I, you know, it's not, I don't think anyone was really surprised or upset that it would have been those. Uh, did, did you guys have that feeling, that sentiment that anyone was shocked? It still would have been eight independent teams and seven MLS2 teams if there were to be four more uh, MLS teams and then Omaha and Riverside. Oh, I don't, I, I'm not upset with it at all. Like, I mean, if you kind of look, exclude maybe England and Germany. If you look at, like, how their lower divisions are, like France, Spain, well, not France, Spain and Germany, you have, what, like, Bayern Munich 2 in the third um, Bundesliga. You have Barcelona B, that was in the second. Uh, yeah, now, now, it's, now, it's in the, now it's in the third division. It got yeah, really now it's in the third, but I think, like, like, so, I mean, it happens a lot. Like, not... Unfortunately, not every league or not every country can have just straight independent teams. They're going to have reserve sides in it. I think my only qualm when it comes to reserve side is is that I wish they would kind of brand themselves differently, you know? So, like, I think we got in a conversation about how, uh, like, if New York Rebels, too, like a couple of podcasts ago, would kind of, like, take the moniker of being in Long Island or something like that or in right. that region. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That would, you know, it would come across a little bit cleaner, a little yeah. bit better. So so but, Tacoma Defiance, FC Tucson, like even North yeah. Texas, I mean, they play in the same place, but they brand themselves differently, right? Yeah, like it's his own thing. Like I think that's the thing where a lot of people, a lot of people get caught up in attendance, which I don't think is the league thing. I think is or it being a B squad. I think it's just more so these teams don't barker themselves well. You know, uh, if you look for instance like um, Rio Grande Valley, I think they're the affiliate to Houston, uh, Houston Dynamo, but they brand themselves well. Like so, people want to go to games. Like FC Tucson brands themselves well, even though they're the affiliate to Phoenix Rising. I think it's just all about those teams branding themselves and putting in the work to be like, hey, we're in your community. We want to represent you. Like I, like for example, I use another example, Louder United. Even though I can't stand them, I got to be saying I'm proud of them because of the fact of, like, they are D.C. United's B squad. And all the talk was, well, are they going to be, you know, just there? Are they going to just be in Audi Field? But they actually built their own stadium. They have their own supporters group. And they built their own culture. So it's like, even after a while, you kind of forget that they're D.C. United's B team because they kind of branded their own self. Wes, do you have any strong feelings about this? I know, I know you talked about it uh, on a drunken capital combustion the other night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll see what teams are moving down. But just based on previous reporting and even conversations with Jake Edwards, it seems like inevitable that this is going to happen. Uh, you know, some, something I said on Twitter is uh, when, when you look at the expansion fee difference right now between championship and League One, I, I think championship is like five times the expansion fee. I, I, it's been a while since I've seen the exact reporting. I don't, I don't. I think it's mostly guesses, but I believe it's like ten million for championship and like two yeah, million seven, for League seven, One. Yeah, seven to yeah. ten million, and it's like a million and a half or something like that for it, League One. It's yeah. been going up, but it, so so if you're an investor wanting to pick a league between League One and Championship, I mean it. There's not a significant TV money difference between the two leagues. Uh, yeah, your fan, your fans aren't going to care if it's D2 or D3. It's not MLS. So as long as it's pro, I don't think there's a lot of fans like, oh, I'm not going to go to USL League One, but I'll go to USL Championship game. So uh, I, I think for a few factors, it makes a lot of sense for them to start moving MLS two teams down to this level just to keep championship as the more premier league. And so investors see the difference because – 
you got more full stadiums, you got rivalries flowing, you just got a better atmosphere and better optics. So I do think it's something that's going to happen. Um, and I felt like if it happened, they wouldn't dump them all at once because that'd be kind of a culture shock. It would have to be year over year you're dumping a few down. So and then hopefully, and then hopefully there's some expansion to keep teams, right. the, the split 50 50. Yeah. So, so keep in mind, I, I think it'll happen. Yeah. Keep in mind, too. And, and I wrote about this in an article uh, a couple of weeks ago on BGN written, um, talking about the sizes of the market. So the, the thing is, this is basically D1, D2, and D3 basically comes from U.S. soccer rules more than anything else, right? Because it's both ownership, how big your stadiums are, and also the uh, the geographic area and the population sizes of that metropolitan area. So, you know, Greenville, for example, could not be in, or Lansing for that matter, could not be in USL Championship because it's not big enough. Now, Richmond could be, right? They make the cut, but, well, but they're... But well, but you're also a border city. You're also kind of on the edge of should you be USL League One or should you be a USL Championship? You're yeah. you're kind of an in between city, right? And there's a lot of cities like that, you know. So uh, there, there's some cities that maybe have to choose based on their own soccer culture and and uh, an ownership group. So well, I mean, uh, Omaha, Omaha, I think would have been another one that could have potentially chosen as well. Yeah, and maybe they will. Maybe three or four years from now, after they create a fan base in USL League One, that they'll say, "Hey, we want to move up to the championship because you know we've we've been competitive for a couple of years, and we want to make more investment, and we have a full stadium, and you know all of those kind of things." That I, I think the other thing is in league in in the championship. I think the league really wants everyone to try and get a, a soccer specific stadium as well. Um, whereas whereas in League One, they might be a little bit more lenient about that. So yeah, I think they said by the next World Cup or the American hosted World Cup 2026. Right. So rosters are frozen, gentlemen. September 6th was the roster freeze date. Not a whole ton of signings that I that I saw coming out at the very end. Just one or two kind of depth signings. Uh, we talked about a couple of them last week. But uh, any other surprises? Were you surprised at anyone? You know, didn't add any uh, any big pieces just right around the roster freeze date. Honestly, I have to say, I'm kind of surprised Greenville didn't sign anyone else. I mean, definitely sorry during our game. I think Dallas Day was out. Jay Keegan was out. Uh, Umar was out. And I think another person was out. I can tell they're definitely lacking a striker without, striker without him. And I think, honestly, I think if you give John Harks a second opportunity, I think he would have gave um, their backup goalkeeper maybe a couple of more chances throughout the year. And that just have had Dallas Jay play by um that play by himself, but been the only one getting the reps. Cause I think when he came in to play against us, that was his first ever minute in League One. Um, so that was kind of surprising to see. Outside of that, Richmond made a defensive signing, so that's always good because <laughs> we only got three center backs on the roster. So that kind of helps out. Weston, any uh, any thoughts or should we yeah. I'm with Elliot on Greenville. Uh, just they've always been one of the thinner squads, and especially attacking wise. And you saw, I mean, we'll get into it in a bit, but you saw their performance uh, when they're missing some pieces. It was it was tough for them. So everyone else, I mean, you know, for the most of the other teams, a good chunk of the playoff potential teams are in good form right now. So I understand not wanting to mix too much up. Yeah, uh, for sure. So. Elliot, this one uh, this one might not make you feel great, but I want to just mention for uh, for Weston here, Nate Miller named Coach of the Month for August. 
So three and zero during the month. Uh, Got to feel pretty good about that, Elliot. What do you, what do you think? Deserved? Yeah. Oh yeah. I can't wait today. I mean, he definitely. What they had the big win over North Texas that I span. I think they had another big win. They went three and zero during the month. So yeah. So I mean, it definitely puts him to second of the table right now. So it's well deserved. Well, he, and he was, and he wasn't suspended. Maybe he was named, uh, you know, coach of the month because he wasn't suspended in August, right? That that's also true. That's also very true. <laughs> yeah. um, that's no, that's I think, a big accomplishment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> First coach suspended in league history. Speaking the truth. Look, Nate Miller. Yeah, Nate Miller died to uh, to make a me- to make a message. I guess we'll say so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a weird. Award in a way because yeah, only only three games in the month, but three and you know it's almost like a, an award that's kind of rewarding the form in the previous month and uh, as well with the five game winning streak. So uh, I mean, the dominant Texas win I think solidified it, and uh, you know I, I think at this point when you look at Lansing's improvement over the course of the year, I feel like Nate's probably the favorite to win Coach of the Year as well. He could. All right, moving on. Uh, so, Elliot, something for you to talk about a little bit, too. Greenville head coach John Hark stopped by the River City Red Army tailgate to pay his respects for recently departed U.S. soccer legend Charlie Slagle. We mentioned him on this show. He was a former president of the United Soccer Coaches, as well as uh, as a longtime coach at Davidson College and then worked for uh, the Richmond Kickers over the last year. Um, I know, Elliot, uh, you know, hit the loss of him touched you very closely. Um, um, nice gesture by uh, Coach Harks. I don't know if you were you were there or not. No, I was. Um, it was definitely so. First of all, the way how he reached out is kind of funny. So he DM'd, he DM'd our page, uh, River City ninety three, thinking that we were the supporters group. And I was. Well, like, listen to your podcast to get all the uh, to get all the dirt on Richmond, I guess. Yeah, I, probably so. Um, so I was talking to my co-host. I was like, yo, some guy named John Hart's DM'd us. And I was like, I don't think this is the coach of Greenville. And he, so Shanera took my phone and he looked and he was like, no, dude, that's, that's John Hart's. I was like, no, it's not. And then we clicked and we're like, oh no, that really is John Hart's. And mind you, it's been like two days since he DM'd us. So I responded back and we set it all up. Uh, we came uh, before the game to our tugboat that we have every home game. And he just did, like, a wonderful gesture. He just spoke about how great he was to beat Charlie, how influential he was in his career. Um, he presented a jersey and a scarf to Coach Bilo and everything like that. And it was just really just a touching moment because you could just tell about how how much it meant to him that when Charlie passed away, like, it hit us hard, but it really affected him. And um, I just, I mean, it just made me respect him even more. Wow. That's That's great. Uh, all the great kind of stuff when you see uh, you you know U.S. soccer legend uh, stopping by on behalf of another U.S. soccer legend and and uh, you know showing you guys the, the kind of respect, particularly before a pretty important game, quite frankly for for yeah. Greenville. So and I mean I had to say too, like even after the game, he came over to our supporter section, supporter section, like shook hands with us, came word afterwards, like talked to us, like he really like went out of his way to like really like just talk to us and get to know us. Like it was a he even talked about his time in Sheffield Wednesday, yeah, which is kind of cool. He even told us about his son and like how he's doing over there in uh, 
Uh, Scotland. Scotland, yeah, yeah. No, it's he. He when you know he when I interviewed him, he was seemed really great. He was very open. So you know, really appreciate Coach Harks and and the work that he's done. And you know, just for soccer in the country, uh, you know, regardless of the league and and the people. Um, but also other stuff going on, Elliot at uh, at the Richmond Kickers this weekend. You know, uh, Heritage Night. You're yes. intimately involved. In fact. Uh, you know, you know, check out either Capital Combustion, League One Fun, Ira Jersey, or River City '93 for information on how you can buy tickets to uh, to the to the Heritage Night, or just donate some money. So, as uh, as I have done, and I, I hope everyone else will do uh, as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about Heritage Night. How did it come about? Where where did it come from, and what's going to be going on? So, Heritage Nights pretty much came from my idea. Um, I gotta say, I'm a huge soccer fan, but I'm not gonna lie and say there's a whole bunch of diversity when it comes to the black community. So I was thinking about if I did of how to engage the black community, get the local soccer community more involved with it. Um, so this is where Charlie was really helping me out with because we went to different aspects in the city of Richmond to try to reach out. Um, for those who don't know, the Richmond Kickers are really located in kind of the West End part of Richmond, the more affluential part. And my thing was I wanted to spread the Richmond kickers to more of like the south side, the east end, north side of Richmond. So those guys who might not be able to make it out to games, but let them know like, hey, you have a professional club here. Um, so when we were talking about tonight, we kind of just sat down and kind of just hashed everything out. Um, the jersey designs were came out a lot better than what I expected it to be. Um, we're raising money for the Black History Museum that we have here in Richmond. Um, I'm part of a fraternity called Alpha Phi Alpha, and my local chapter has an education foundation that helps uh, high school students matriculate onto college. And we're also raising money for El Campo, which is a group in Southside Richmond that works with ESL students, um, teaching them the fundamentals of the game of soccer, like even during the summer. They help them, they have like a full soccer clinic for them for free. And at the end of the soccer clinic, they get to take the uh, cleats, balls, jerseys, shin guards, socks. You think about it when it relates to soccer, they get to take it all home, free of charge. So we're raising money for these three organizations. First and foremost, I got to say thank you to you two guys. Like you guys have, <clears throat> I'm trying not to like choke up talking about it, but um, it really means a lot to know that I have people that granted I have never met in person that you know shares the same passion and has went out of their way like I, I didn't even ask you guys to share it or to you know ask your friends to donate um so I'm like I'm proud to say so far we raised five hundred dollars I think we sold north of 40 tickets like we have a bunch of tickets that are going to be donated um to a local charity so it's just great to see and know that I have people uh, in the soccer community that, you know, take an interest in this, know the goodwill of it, and are willing to help out with it. Well, it's our pleasure. <laughs> Weston, when are you guys going to have a heritage night? You guys. <laughs> Uh, we need Elliot to fly out and help us out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I'm with Elliot too, though. It's like, you know, it's uh, Lansing's a pretty diverse town, and uh, sometimes the challenge is how do you make the audience as diverse as the town itself is? Um, so, I mean, an idea like Heritage Night is awesome, and uh, I was happy to support it, um, you know, and props to you, Elliot, for all you're doing. Yeah, great great work, uh, Elliot. Yeah. 
So let's talk a little bit about World Cup qualifying. So I did w- actually watched one of these matches, but uh, Greenville's Omar Mohammed, uh, he he plays for the Somali national team. They made history. They had their first win in a World Cup qualifier in 35 years. Obviously, a country that's been war torn with civil war uh, over the last couple of decades. Um, but they beat Zimbabwe. Um, they, they beat them. Uh, they beat them one nil at home. Uh, they so this team was ranked. 202 by FIFA. Somalia was ranked 202 by FIFA. Guess how many teams there are without looking at the show notes, Weston. How many uh, teams are there in FIFA? 203. 211. 211. Oh, yeah, yeah, so um, so 202 about 211. Zimbabwe, which was ranked 112th, uh, lost to them. But unfortunately, um, unfortunately, Zimbabwe went to the home leg and they won 3-1. So they actually, on aggregate, uh, Zimbabwe went through 3-2 on aggregate. Uh, Greenville's Dallas J also played for Guam and their qualifying did not do particularly well. Um, I didn't get to see any of these games, so I don't know how well Dallas J played. Omar Muhammad, by the way, played pretty well in, the, in that first game uh, against Zimbabwe. Um, but, I think uh, he they, scored a goal. I think uh, I saw Muhammad on Twitter. I think he scored. I'm not sure. I don't know if that was him. There was another Muhammad on the team, so I'm not okay. sure if it was him or not. Um, I don't think so, based on the announcer. Um, so, uh, so they lost uh, Dallas J and and Guam lost to the Maldives one nil, and then lost to the Philippines four one yesterday. So, their chances right now don't look very good. They face China in October. Uh, forward Madison's uh, Ali Hamas um, uh, Naganzi, who is on loan from Minnesota Unite, he plays for uh, the Tanzanian national team, and uh, Tanzania actually went through. So they uh, they actually drew uh, Burundi 1-1 on both legs that they went through, and then Tanzania won 3-0 on penalty kicks. So um, he did not see any minutes. Um, he was on the bench for both matches. Uh, and it would not be a League One fun show without mentioning something unique about Forward Madison. Forward Madison is launching their (laughs) nationwide interruption bus tour. They're headed to Ohio, West Virginia, (laughs) North Carolina to go see NCFC and then up to Richmond. (laughs) Elliot is not pleased about this. He's making hand gestures that I can't say on a a non-explicit podcast, but... (laughs) Come on my pod, Ellie. You can say whatever you want. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, when, I'm, when I'm on this pod, I try my best to be as unbiased as possible. I like that Elliot just doesn't care. He's, he's solid. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, you know, you have to give props to Madison for the trying unique things in order to, to garner attention, right? I mean, their goal is to be everyone's second favorite soccer team, right? And, and FC Mean, baby. That's their nickname. FC Mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. Well, you're going to see a lot of them because apparently there's going to be like fifty odd, uh, fifty odd Madison supporters at the uh, at the Richmond Kickers game. So um, you know, and you'll be drinking some what is it, cow milk beer or something? I don't even. I'm know. not drinking none of that. I was about to, I was about to cuss and I caught myself. But you're you're, um, you're a honey man yourself, aren't you? Oh yeah, definitely. It's going to be a lot of Hennessy flowing. Um, I think wait, I think Flat and Silver Migos are coming out in the flock. Um, and I mean, this is off. Falling in love. Like, if you can't joke with your best friend, can you really say to your friend? Um, forward to coming out flat to some flamingos. I think even uh, Oak City supporters from North Carolina FC are coming up for some odd reason. I don't know why. 
So they're coming because forward because because uh, Connor Tobin used to play for NCFC and he was pretty popular there and now he plays on Forward Madison. So Connor Tobin is the is the connection there. Boo. It's kind of weird. I, I agree with that. That one's kind of weird. Um, especially, well, I guess NCFC they, they don't like you guys very much, right? You guys were rivals in USL Championship, right? We okay, we were as much rivals as Detroit basketball and like Orlando. Like, oh yeah, we shared a player. We kind of hate each other, but don't what enrichment is going to be like. Oh, we hate North Carolina FC. If anything, it was Charleston and Charlotte. Okay, it was never North Carolina. Yeah, fair, fair enough. All right, and uh, so last thing about Forward Madison, uh, I did interview actually Coach Daryl Shore and midfielders Eric uh, Leonard and J.C. Banks last week. So take a look back in your <laughs> podcast feed for uh, for those interviews. So. Let's start reviewing the games. This is going to be a super long pod tonight, I think. Um, so hopefully not too long because some of us have to actually get to sleep. But everything kind of came up Richmond this weekend. So everything came was coming up Weston a couple of weeks ago when Weston was on. But <laughs> Elliot, everything was coming up Richmond this week because you got a good result here. TFC 2 scored two goals against the Chattanooga Red Bulls who scored two goals. You had goals in the 31st minute by Jordan Pruse on a PK. Then in the 51st minute, you had a makeup PK, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Stephen Beattie then scored on, on that PK. Um, Jordan uh, Faria then took a right footed free kick that was a screamer for TFC in the 72nd minute, but Eamon Zayed uh, tied things up in the 83rd. Um, Guys, any any big picture thoughts on this particular game? It was it was pretty entertaining. I thought it, it was oh, definitely yeah. it was... something to do at four o'clock in the afternoon when you you know didn't want to quite leave work yet. <laughs> it was an entertaining game. I mean, I got to send um, Zayed a fruit basket for scoring that uh, equalizer. <laughs> um, but I got to say, I think that kind of pretty much. I mean, Toronto's playoffs hope already some, but I think this pretty much effectively killed it with this draw. I think this pretty much knocked them out. Um, Chattanooga, I got to say, I think they come away much more disappointed. I think this draw is going to be the reason why they're going to miss out on the playoffs and kind of hinder them from making it in. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, but I got to say. Bro, I, yeah. think, I think this pretty much hurt both teams. So Chattanooga crossed in the ball 37 times in this game. Oh, man, you knew I was going to bring that up. Someone's yeah, well, well Weston and I are the stat monkeys, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I was looking on the field performance. Yeah, um, so 37 crosses, but they connected on 13. I mean, that's a pretty good ratio, right? I mean, connecting on 13 crosses is is a, a fair bit. Um, has anyone else in the league ever attempted 37 crosses? Weston, uh, do you know? You, you would think if anyone got close, it was probably Greenville, but I feel like I've seen high 20s. Yeah. Lance I've, had I've, a couple high 20s, but yeah, I don't think I've seen 30. 37 was like eye popping. Uh, yeah. I, I can't pronounce it. Is it Cito on Chad? Cito. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, he was. Cito Sioni. Yeah. yeah he, he's, he, he's really good. So Chattanooga was well. I was gonna say he wasn't good this game, but well, well um, not this game, but he <laughs> yeah. has been good in the past. But this this was uh, well. First off, Elliot, the uh, I, I would argue you did not want Zayed to score that goal because uh, Toronto's out of it. You don't have to worry about them. You're, you're worried about catching up to Chattanooga and others. So I thought the Zayed goal was bad for you. And uh, sports club stats would pat. Back me up there in terms of percentage odds to make. I have no idea who sports club stats is. We'll get into it, boy. Let's go. (laughs) Um, I'll link you after the show, bro. We got this. You'll be addicted. Uh, But uh, 
Uh, but yeah, this was a game Chattanooga I thought was very all in on. Um, I believe this is the first game they started uh, Hurst, Beattie, and Zaid, which I know injuries and suspensions have been part of that. Uh, but yeah, it was Sito who was like the one attacking player that I thought held back Chattanooga. Uh, he played six crosses. I don't, I think I don't think any were accurate. Um, but they and they were all in open play, none off set pieces. So um, this was during the run of play. He's playing a lot of crosses in, zero key passes, lost all seven of his duels. Uh, tough game for him. Uh, the other three guys all played well, um, you know. But I mean, Chattanooga still found their chances. Four big chances to two, and uh, they had eleven shots in the box to six for Toronto. So, uh, just you know, the the one thing we talked about this off the air the other week, Ira, um, about how a lot of times I watch Chattanooga and they kind of underwhelm me, but they just somehow sneak in these results. And this yeah. is another game where just the veteran presence, I guess, they're able to stay in it. They don't. Uh, they don't freak out, and they, they get a result where it was looking maybe a little hairy at times. I think that that's a good point. I think it's that how calm they are able to stay. So they don't look panicked even when they go down a goal. So it's not like, hey, we have to score, and then everyone presses up, and they leave themselves open to another counter or or you know make some silly fouls. So I, I think that's a big part of it. Mangles had a pretty decent game too. So he only had three saves, but they were three big saves. I mean, they were three – you know, very good chances that TFC had that he uh, uh, that he saved. Plus, he had a punch. Uh, Konofsky didn't have a bad game either. He had three punches and three saves himself. So he's another. The, the goalkeepers in this one, you know, definitely did their jobs in uh, in most of them because most of the goals were more defensive errors, I would say, in the terms of the the two from the run of play as opposed to. Um, uh, you know, as opposed to to goalkeeping error, and you know, for uh, Faria's free kick was was really it was really hard and accurate. So I mean, it was not that hard and accurate, but it but you know, Mangles was only able to get a touch and just wasn't enough. Uh, it was in the upper corner. Two quick so, things about this game. One, I know we always joke how quiet it is up in Toronto, but it was so quiet that I think I heard a kid in the stadium ask their mom for a McDonald's. <laughs> and then two, I've never realized how skinny Kamnowski is. Like his legs are truly like pencils. Like he is skinny. Like I feel sorry for man. Like if he has to go into the box and like try to defend someone in the air, like he is skinny. You know, as as a coach, I actually appreciate the TFC two and the OCB games because because I can hear what the players are saying and what the coach what the coaches are saying to the players. So if if you pay attention carefully and you don't you try and tune out the uh, the announcer, then and you can actually hear what what tactical information is being relayed uh, on the field, which I think is is pretty interesting. Um, so the the next game, I, I guess we'll just move straight along because you know this is another game that kind of didn't matter uh, for a number of reasons. But OCB scored one goal to North Texas's three goals. Not a surprise. Uh, it started in the light and it ended very very dark. It is dark in that park where OCB plays when uh, when the sun goes down. I mean, it's I don't know if there's some OSHA regulations that are being broken there in the you know off the field, but man, it gets dark there. Uh, but uh, John Nelson scored in the 22nd minute. Arturo Rodriguez uh, actually uh, had a PK shot in the 49th minute that was saved. Uh, in the 53rd minute, though, Brandon John uh, scored, got the equalizer for OCB. But does anyone know how Ronaldo Damas scored a goal a minute later right on the kickoff? Because I saw the pass. The pass <laughs> happened from the right I mean, side he did it against mid. us, so he's pretty good at it. Yeah. He's, well, a, he's we'll, a FIFA glitch. We'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Not um, not the first uh, not the first goal that uh, US illegal on cameras have missed. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, 
So anyway, so Ronaldo Damas scored, uh, and then uh, in the 56th minute, OCB hit the post, actually. That that would have made it for a pretty interesting game. Uh, but unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever, uh, Ronaldo Damas um, scores a PK in the 70th minute after Rayo got, uh, got a ball from Arturo Rodriguez, tries a Cruyff turn. And he's tripped up in the box for the PK. Um, I think all all the PKs that were and fouls that were called in this game were were pretty legitimate. There, there couldn't be, um, I, I think, any any argument there. Um, should we just move on, or do we want to do we want to talk about how North Texas dominated this game and OCB's back line is terrible? I mean, uh, I, I, think I, we, I feel like a broken record. I mean, yeah, saying, there was nothing to there was nothing to learn from this game. And I'll just say three one was not. It wasn't that frisky, honestly. Like even though Orlando was kind of in it for a while, it was not that frisky. Yeah. I mean, Christian Herrera, the goalkeeper for OCB, actually had a pretty good game. He had seven saves, two punches, and four clearances. I mean, that's that's a busy day for a goalkeeper right there. Um, so it's actually a slow day for a slow day for him. Oh, for an OCB goalkeeper, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, so, so John Nelson, who, uh, you know, he had the first goal in this match. He had 58 passes, 85% passing accuracy, won eight of 10 duels. Um, you know, he's been, you know, quietly good, I think, all season and, and kind of deserves a shout out because he did stand out in this game. But um, other than that, now, now for a game that, you know, Weston imbibed quite a lot, I'm sure, drinking at some bar <laughs> along with the rest of the Capital Combustion and Assembly Line folks because... Lansing Ignite goes down to Tucson and drops a five spot, a handful of goals on Tucson. The last time Lansing lost was to North Texas on June 29th, a 10-game unbeaten streak with six wins and four draws. Weston, any other team in the league would be amazingly jealous of that kind of run. So, gloat. Now is your chance. (laughs) I'm jealous. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was just, you know, I didn't want to say it, Elliot. I was like, I bet Elliot's jealous, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, wait, like wait, what's that... what's funny is that is that is that Richmond actually has the next best current record in in the league in the last ten games. So, you know, and, and the <laughs> other funny part about that, honestly, is I've been cheering for Richmond for like two months because they can't really, they haven't been able to catch us at every game. I'm like, let's go Richmond, baby, and they've been coming through pretty solid. So, Elliot's really my boy right now, man. But uh, so, and you so, know what? So be- before you go through the goals and stuff, let's just say yeah. one other thing. Your magic number for making having home field advantage is three points. Uh, yeah, well, if we win, uh, and then either two of the three playoff teams three. have to. Not well, win. I think if Greenville loses, if and you win, then uh, then you are, I think, at home field advantage. Lansing posted it today, and it, Greenville has nothing to do with it. It's more about Tucson, uh, Tormenton, Madison. Okay. If two of those three. Um, do not win and we win we're, we're in so uh but yeah it would and we'll get to it later but actually elliot should be cheering for lansing these next three games because we're playing oh, yeah, all the, yeah. the contenders yeah. yeah let's go baby i, I love it we get a little, <laughs> we get a little plug a bottle of oh yeah <laughs> uh little plug is underage all right let's uh, let's not let's not get many oh, we'll get we'll get big plug yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so lansing uh in this win streak, Lansing has been consistently keeping their uh, foot on the gas. Uh, the latest goal they've had for their first goal is the 32nd minute. Uh, and they've, I mean, they've had goals 8th minute, 16th minute, 22nd. Like, their first goal has come fast. They create these chances so fast. Uh, and that's what happened again here with Pato scoring on the 16th minute. Uh, second strike game he started, he's kind of been on a rotation with Bruce. And 
Uh, I think he's earned that starting role with two two straight games he plays. He wins player of the week. So two goals and assists this week for him. Huge, huge performance for him. Uh, do you think, and, Weston, do you think that's because because Lansing has tended to be a very high-tempo, very pressing team that it's like, okay, look, let's go out there for the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes, we're going to – uh, you know, just we're, we're going to press all in, score a goal, then we can take our foot off the gas for five or ten minutes, catch our breath, and and then, you know, press again. Or or is it is it just like – or is it something else? I mean, is it just is, – is there a tactical nuance that, that creates all of those chances so early? Uh, I, I don't know if it's early, but the, but the tactical nuance I, that we've noticed recently – well, first off, I will say I, I do think the press early maybe throws some of these teams off for sure and, and just the energy that they come out with. Uh, but the big tactical nuance Lansing has been doing is they've been overloading the right side. And the one guy they generally leave pretty wide to the left is Rafa. So these teams have to make a choice whether to help on the right side or leave Rafa in one-on-ones. Uh, and it's a tough decision because those guys on the right side are no slouches either. I mean, if you're dealing with Elma, you're dealing with uh, Toomey. I mean, those guys are dangerous. So uh, there's just a lot of options up front. We, we were talking about... Uh, you know, the best USL League One team, and we were talking the tacking line, and we kind of said Texas, like, no doubt, and I was with you. But, man, after these past few games, you know, you got to put Lansing right up there with uh, all the talent in Texas in terms of attacking talent. Uh, but with all the goals Lansing's been scoring, their, their back line kind of gets overshadowed. Uh, Grant Stone made team of the week this week. Uh, 21 clearances by Lansing's back line total, but seven by Stoneman, won nine of his 11 duels, had a huge clear out, um, just a Really talented player. Um, and before this game, most goals Tucson had given up at home was two. Uh, they just gave up five. So, And according to Nate, uh, after the game, he said Tucson hadn't let up a set play goal all season. They just let up three here. So pretty pretty crazy game. Uh, I, I think Tucson's a lot better than what they showed. I just think Lansing's really, really on fire right now. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, do we want to go through, I think we don't need to necessarily go through every goal, but I think it's worth going through at least the first goal. The uh, 16th minute, uh, Rafa Mensigan gets the ball to Pato. It was a, basically a very poor distribution from Edgemadu. He tried to really force a pass uh, out of the back. Uh, it went about 35 yards or so, and it was intercepted by, remind me who intercepted it? I don't think it was Rafa. <laughs> it's, it was, it's- it's really tough to see on the camera, but I'm pretty sure it's Stone. It was Stoneman who was aware and and made that play. So yeah, that which is around. pretty which is pretty impressive because uh, you wouldn't because expect Stone him to be the there. center back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like you'd <laughs> expect more of a number six or number eight to be there. Uh, but anyway, um, to, so the, the ball's intercepted. It winds up with Rafa Mensigan going down the left-hand side. Uh, Rafa basically uh, pulls it back and crosses it to Pado, who who shoots it. Actually, it, I mean, in fairness, Ejimadu was actually in pretty good position for this. It's just that I think uh, Pado shot it hard enough and low enough that it goes off Ejimadu's leg and, and into the net, and it's 1-0 in the 16th minute. Yeah, with the angle and the speed, I think I think it was kind of tough for him to see that ball. Um uh, yeah, I mean, just the time, like, you, you see the chemistry, uh, just a beautiful cut by Pato, perfect timing on that, and then the, just off, I mean, his touches on some of those crosses in has been so perfect. Uh, it, it, I mean, that that's kind of been one of the missing pieces on the squad all year is, you know, we've seen, like, the attacking midfield depth, but just, like, up top striker, you know, uh, Ricky Lopez-Espin was off and on, Alex Bruce has been off and on, uh, Pato's really gotten his chance and he's shined he's up to uh second in all of league one in goals per minute behind only damas 
Very impressive. So uh, a couple other people got on the score sheet here. So Pato got two goals and an assist in this one. Uh, Reese Williams scored in, from an Elma Nafour uh, corner, uh, or, or actually flick on from a corner. Um, so the MLS assist actually on that one, I think actually goes to, who, who takes your, your guys' corners? Was that Rafa? Uh, uh, Xavier Gomez. And, oh, Xavier uh, Gomez. Yeah, yeah, right. I believe took that one. That, that's right, because Pato scored on, the Pato yeah. scored on uh uh, the free kick from Gomez, and uh, that was the second goal. Uh, third goal was Reese Williams's goal. And in the 93rd minute, Tumi Moshabani bangs a 25-yard free kick. I mean, anything to say about that one? I, I'm sure, Elliot, you saw that. Um, you know, do, do you think Moshabani should be taking the free kicks from 25 yards out for, for Lansing unless they play Richmond, in which case they <laughs> should just not take it at all? Oh, yeah, you should take it at all. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, if he's scoring bangers – of course, I'm fine with it. I mean, he. It was a beautiful free kick. It's a beautiful free kick. What quick question though? What's going on with Alex Bruce? Because at the beginning of the year, he seemed like he was he was in good form, and then all of a sudden, he just he's just kind of like dropped off. So what's, what's going on with him? Um, you know he he plays with a lot of energy. Uh, he has really good hold up play. It, it's just the finishing hasn't it just getting into the right positions just hasn't always been perfect um okay it, you know it's it, he's been he's been fine we don't like some he still comes on like if pato does start and doesn't do much 60 65 minute that's usually bruce time um and bruce was the one that came in during that amazing uh lansing madison game earlier this year so he he still has his moments but yeah i mean this seems like pato's job at this point okay cool, cool. i just wanted to make sure I, I, you know <laughs> Yeah, he's he's still around. Um, yeah, you anything... played Lansing such a long time ago. It's like such a different team. You know, it, the schedule is oh, yeah, crazy. It is. It's totally different team. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's one of the things that we'll we'll wind up talking about later. Pieces now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially this, this past game. So speaking of Richmond, uh, on Saturday evening, Richmond beat Greenville one <laughs> nil. Elliot is pretty happy. Uh, so Greenville, in fairness, was without Dallas J because he was playing with Guam, was without Omar Muhammad because he was playing with Somalia. Uh, and Jay Keegan, as it turned out, we found out basically at game time, you know, it turned on ESPN Plus and they said, Jake Keegan is out because he hurt his foot. Um, so, so anyway, so I had big- nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> John Harks didn't bring uh, Jake Obviously, Keegan with I, you to I the to the uh, to the tailgate, and you stepped stepped on his foot or something. I mean... um, so, you know, this was this was a pretty entertaining game, Elliot. And you know, one of the things like like Greenville, you know, in fairness, might have deserved a draw in this one. Uh, they uh, they really they they fought. I mean, Akira had a decent game. Um, you know, clearly. You know, clearly you guys you guys were more defensively sound than I think you have been in, in the past. And, uh, you know, you guys got that goal from Brandon Troyer from a Joe Gallardo corner. Um, you know, you named your, your podcast this week Air Troyer uh, yeah. after a Twitter poll. Uh, you know, I think that was the overwhelming favorite, too, wasn't it? Was there? Yeah, it was. was, I, was trying to, I was really hoping we could get white men can jump because <laughs> I had some that, but they wanted Air Troyer, so I had to go that, with as a white basketball player, I definitely voted for that. So I'd, I'd like to, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to believe there's one day where I can jump. You know, I, I, I look up the trail. <laughs> I, I used, to, used to do the high jump and not get very high. But anyway, um, <laughs> so I'm sorry. anyway, uh, so, so anyway, so Troyer scores. You know, talk us through the goal a little bit here, Elliot, because it was almost like no one thought that Brandon Troyer was a threat at all because. 
as it turns out, he's played more than 100 games for the kickers and has never scored. This was his first goal for the kickers. No, and the point to that is, like, we was mentioned earlier before the pocket, he played a lot of his games on, like, on the wings as a left back. And under the old system, a left back never really pushed up the field. Like, they never really did the whole overlap thing, so he was never in attacking positions. But in this game, like we mentioned on the podcast, it really came down to the point, if you go a couple of minutes before that, um, Henry got hurt. And in the stadium, we actually thought, like, the like punched him, and he had a concussion, but he actually uh, came to be that, I think he hurt his knee. Um, so what happened was Greenville had to sub, had to sub him off. They bring in another right winger, and they pushed, uh, the normal right winger to right back. So, of course, the ball goes out of bounds. And Dedeche actually has a shot on goal, but it stumbles in front of him, and the ball kind of trickles. Uh, the Greenfield defender puts his foot on it and plays it back to the goalkeeper. And the goalkeeper almost mistakenly, you know, grabs it with his hands, but then realizes that he can't, so the ball goes out for a corner. So, what yeah, so, Ke- is- so Kev- yeah, Kevin Pollitz was trying to get the ball back to the goalkeeper, yeah. who was uh, – your EB. And I think that one of the one, this just shows that if Dallas J is there, I bet you there's better communication between them because literally this is the first league game that Dallas J did not play in. Yeah, exactly. You can tell because I think EB comes on and he's pointing out to everyone like, hey, make sure you cover them. And he literally just has a void of space in front of him. So he's pointing out, pointing out to the Greenville players like, hey, make sure you cover this space. All while he's walking backwards, so I think Troy is obviously kind of recognizes it because you can see Connor kind of point to Troy like come behind me. So when the ball gets kicked in, Troy makes the full run into the space that is left behind. Troy runs it behind him. Evie, who is still walking backwards at this moment, tries to run forward to meet Troy at it. Troy at the ball, but he is like he doesn't have enough momentum. Troy, by the grace of God, and Larry Bird seems to jump higher than everyone else <laughs> and heads the ball in. Yeah. So, uh, so, so yeah, great goal. You know, that was the only only goal of the game. Is the only one that that Richmond needed. However, um, the uh, Joe Gallardo did not have a particularly good game. So he had, uh, you know, after after last week being, you know, you know Lionel Gallardo or whatever he he probably should have been renamed. But he had no shots. He did win nine out of fourteen duels, but his passing accuracy was absolutely atrocious. Akira Fitzgerald came up big. He had five saves and a very important punch off of a a set piece that was uh, that was served into the box um on the other side for greenville like bermudez who had you know kind of been on fire the last couple of weeks was was absent in this game i don't know if he was just marked out of the game uh i don't know if either of you guys noticed that weston did, did you even i don't remember the announcer even really mentioning bermudez he was there he played i mean he was on the field but it wasn't no uh, i think um i think hughes and i Avon, I have to make sure because I got the right pronunciation today. It's Avon, it's not Ivan. Um, I think they did a good job of keeping Bermudas in a lock. Even Bermudas was trying to float over to the other side and Lockerbie and Awkward did a good job of passing them off and communicating because Bermudas, what he likes to do is he likes to be tucked out on the wing, so you kind of almost forget about him. And then the last thing he likes to dart in into the space of where the fullback will be, he likes to kind of cut in. Um, and they did a good job of recognizing that, cutting it off early. So what Greenville was trying to do was try to cross the ball in, and if they cut it, they were kind of seeing that once Bermuda's cut in, they were trying to feed the ball to him. 
But since that option was cut off, Greenville had to do a lot of recycling. They didn't have Jake Keegan, so they didn't have their main person who's in the box to receive those crosses from either. So right. he did a good job defensively. Weston, any thoughts on this match? Yeah, um, you know, Dallas J, you wonder if it's different on that set piece uh, with uh, Uribe, right? Uh, how do you pronounce that? Beamy? Is that is that how you pronounce the Richmond guy's name? Oh, yeah. Beamy, yeah. Beamy, yeah. I mean, the way he was getting in his grill and just, like, really frustrated him, like, right before the balls played, he, like, took the effort to actually push him away and I don't think he was 100% set and ready to go when that header came in. So that was a crafty play um, to help set that up, too, um, that maybe went unnoticed there. But, um, and, and you know what? I, I liked Gallardo's. I, I mean, I know the overall stats weren't great uh, in terms of shots, but I, I liked Gallardo's play. I thought he was trying to be more unselfish th- than he usually has. And that's something I mentioned um, last time I was on this pod. I thought he's a little too selfish sometimes. And then, of course week or two later he's making the most amazing selfish goal i've ever seen uh but yeah i mean he, he did he was accurate on accurate on three out of five crosses five out of six long balls had two uh chances created so i mean i, I didn't think guy game was bad uh, maybe he's trying to shift the way he plays a little bit and you know there might be some growing pains with doing that and that's where the passing accuracy comes in but uh on the greenville side it's just a classic greenville game nine out of their 12 shots were outside the box um can't quite finish. Uh, Fitz did have a couple of nice saves in there, though, too. Not as many crosses from Greenville as we usually get. So only uh, uh, Greenville only tried to cross the ball 12 times. So usually they have uh, somewhere somewhere close to double that. So uh, may- maybe they thought that with three center backs that it might be more difficult to cross it in. So they were maybe trying a different tactic. But, you know, they had one shot on target. Uh, uh, Richmond only had one shot on target. One goal. That's efficient. That's a typical Richmond game. <laughs> <laughs> So another game that was good for both of you guys uh, was Forward Madison hosted South Georgia Tormenta. This game ended 1-1. Pello Jr. scored in the 24th minute for uh, Madison, but South Georgia came back with Marco Micheletto uh, getting a uh, get, getting a, a nice example of one-touch crossing. I mean, watch this goal. Watch South Georgia's goal in the 80th minute of this game because it looked very much like Barcelona under Pep. You know, it was all it was one and two touch passing five different players. Marco Micheletto gets the ball on the far right side, um, ends up with the ball at his feet after touching it two more times, uh, combining with his teammates and taking a left footed shot that uh, that that goes in. And um, anyway, just 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 a great goal. I'm not going to go go through everything, but um, Silvestre just couldn't hold on to uh, this ball as it came in and kind of bounced awkwardly in front of him. But, uh, you know, if uh, if Micheletto didn't score that, I think it, there might have been a PK in this game, actually, because I think Jad Arslan was actually fouled as he was uh, as he was trying to pass the ball back to Micheletto during this uh, kind of one two pinging the ball around. Um, you know, this was this was a little bit more of a chippy game than than I would have thought. I mean, not a not a ton, a ton of fouls, but it was definitely a physical game that I think. Uh, South Georgia, particularly after the goal, South Georgia really wanted to score because they knew that they needed a point here to have any chance really at, at staying in the playoff hunt. Weston, any any thoughts on this game? Uh, yeah, I mean, first off, I mean, there was some controversy about uh, Tormenta's goal, but man, it's just so, we just don't have the cameras, right? Like, it's 
it's tough to see whether it that would, so, the so line. you should say whether whether or not across the line right yeah. that, that's the thing so so this is something that that elliot and i have talked about on this podcast is if nothing else just have two static cameras like near the goal line like in the penalty area so you could cut to that right so uh, but yeah i mean it, they're two of the better defensive teams in the in the league i mean maybe torment has fallen off so the the physical nature of the game uh didn't shock me uh this game really even even though a lot of the ch- a lot of aspects were even stats-wise. I mean, it still didn't make me feel like Tormenta's about to turn things around and make a late run. I mean, as beautiful as the build-up play was for their one goal, uh, they only won 38 out of 97 duels. They just they seemed a little outmatched at times in, in my eyes. Uh, and, uh, I mean, Madison's just a weird team to me because, you know, every time I watch them, I feel like they play pretty well. So I looked and just, I was like, man, they're just always in close games. And it just seems like whether they're playing Orlando or whoever, it's generally... Uh, evenish game and yeah sure enough uh of their 24 games so far this year only four have been decided by two goals or more so uh it's it's all been tight games for them so you know when when, when you're in those kind of games those one bounce uh in this case m- maybe five inches could can make the whole difference for everything yeah so you know elliot do you think you know th- that uh, you know, like Weston said, forwards always in tight games. Obviously, you guys have, you know, had a couple of, uh, had a couple of multiple goal wins recently, but forward always seems to play you guys pretty pretty tight. And you know, they're they they think that there's a rivalry with you. I think bringing buses down and stuff to your your house. Um, you know, what do you guys have to do to to beat forward? Do you think is it just a matter of stopping J.C. Banks and Don Smart from making runs down the wings, or is it more complicated than that? Um, I think that's a factor. I think you had, do, we do have to concentrate on wings. I think the thing about forward is they're almost like the old school. I'll equate it to basketball. They're, they're like Houston basketball. Like they want to be like five slam a channel. They want to run up and down the court. They just, they, that's all they want to do. They just want to score. They can really care less about defense. And that's why I was saying on the podcast yesterday we recorded. I think the main thing with Richmond is if we can control that first 15 minutes and really slow down the game. And control tempo. Like, granted, Richard has been slow out of the gate, but I think we can be controlling the game, but we can still be quick in our attacks. And if we can catch four off of a, a counter, I think it will work great to our advantage. I mean, if you saw that a lot of goals, I mean, in the first game alone, Jory Gallardo made a gut buster run for 90 yards untouched. And I mean, if it's not for him missing it by a centimeter or two, it's in the back of a net, you know? Um, Jackson's goal the same way. It's because Ford was so far afield that when they had to come back on defense, they rushed. Um, so I think that's the thing. I think we just have to, you know, be mindful of the counterattack, be mindful of how Ford's going to be trying so far to get up the field. They're going to try to pass around us and whatnot. And we just have to be disciplined on defense, which I feel like we're a great defensive team. I mean, if you look at it, granted, we gave up 30 goals this year. 18 of those goals are because of two teams, Lansing and North Texas. That, that was on River City 93. I was going to use that stat on you, but you, you <laughs> yeah. caught it out first. <laughs> yeah. Well, he calculated it. So, well, yeah. and, and I'll also say, though, to, to compound that point, too, right? Like a, lot, a large chunk of your goals were given up to the top two teams. And a lot of those other goals were bad set piece defense, which is very fixable. And you guys seem to have mostly fixed. So yeah, this is Richmond probably doesn't get its due as one of the stronger defensive teams right now. 
So, so the person that's going to be uh, mostly trying to keep Joe Gallardo quiet is Eric Leonard. Eric Leonard in this match had a very good game. Um, three tackles, three clearances, an interception, 71 passes with 80% accuracy, nine of 13 duels won, and he won four of six aerial duels. Um, you know, Joe Gallardo versus Eric Leonard, I think that is the matchup to look at on the field. Like, if Eric Leonard can keep Joe Gallardo um, in check, then I think, you know, Richmond has uh, is might have a problem trying to trying to score here. But at the same time, you know, Eric Leonard could potentially get nutmegged by Joe Gallardo because we know he can do that. So, yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> so uh, Joey, Joey, Joey likes to do that. Anything else on, on this particular match? I mean, stats wise, you know, things were mainly relatively close. There's, you know, Jad Arslan was on the, on the pitch. He, he got an assist. He created a couple of chances and also had a nice shot on net, but you know, only for, for a right, for a right midfielder actually only had 17 passes the whole game, which seems pretty low. I mean, granted, you know, two of those were chances created, but um, you know, that was, uh, that, that was, Pretty, pretty interesting. But you know, a young guy. He's a he's a uh, Torment original. He's actually played with Torment since they became a club a few years ago. So, um, so good, good on him for being out there in uh, in a pretty important match for the team. So we had the first game of week twenty five. That was on Tuesday night last night as we record. And uh, North Texas dropped four goals on the Richmond Kickers. The Richmond Kickers had a very heavily rotated lineup. There was no Hughes. Troyer was out on a yellow card accumulation suspension. No Bullduck because, as Elliot will tell you, he apparently picked up a knock. Uh, he might have been rotated anyway. He was, uh, and also no Lockerbie. Um, you had uh, the same back line, so the same back three were in there because those are all the center backs that Richmond has. Uh, for North Texas, Jada did not start, but he did come in in the 60th minute, so not, not kind of your first choice. Uh, first choice CDM, uh, center defensive midfielder for North Texas, but it, it didn't seem to matter so much. Um, very first goal, you know, I'm just going to say say this, Elliot, don't don't get mad at me, but, you know, Ronaldo Damas got a hat trick on the second goal. He and Arturo Rodriguez did the CR celebration, like mirror image of each other. Uh, it was kind of cute, you know, uh, kind of young guys doing, uh, you know, being happy. Um, I mean, hey, they deserved it, like, I'm actually I'm really kind of disappointed that FC Dallas has not called them up yet to the senior team like they did Pepe because you can kind of can read the argument that Domus might be a little bit better than Pepe. Well, so so argument. so Domus and Pepe are two different players. Like this was something I was on the Top Drawer Soccer Show last week talking to Taylor Rockwell about this, and one of the things that I think you have to consider is is that Pepe is kind of your hold-up kind of forward who run, moves off the ball and isn't uh, he isn't as technical, I think, as Damus. Damus is more of your speedy, um, you know, technical, you know, dribbler um, as opposed to a, a Pepe who's going to try and get in behind and who's going to use his size and strength to hold off players, more of a back-to-goal guy. I don't think Damus can do any of the back-to-goal kind of stuff that Pepe can do. So so I think they're two different players. And, and earlier in the season when North Texas was playing, you had – Ronaldo Damas was kind of as a, a kind of a right attacker. You had Arturo Rodriguez as a left attacker and Pepe in the middle. I mean, that's really, I mean, they looked unstoppable in this game, but that's really when you had a, a very potent strike force for them. And then just behind them, you had guys like David Rodriguez, uh, who's Arturo's brother. And, you know, you know, they're really good. But think about who's up there. You know, who, who's on FC Dallas right now who's a young midfielder. It's guys like Paxton Pomichol who just got a U.S. national team cap. I mean, you think yeah, Ronaldo Damas is better than true. Paxton Pomichol? I mean, that's what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, no. 
I mean that that is also true, crazy. I mean, <laughs> I, I think Elliot's mostly it. talking about how many insanely easy chances Pepe has missed it at the League One level as of late. Like it's there's oh, been yeah. some yeah, terrible yeah. misses, just terrible. And and Davis does not miss. That dude does not yeah, miss. Well, I think so. But yeah, I, I, your points take well taken. But just yeah. Pepe's form has been kind of poor in League One, honestly, as of yeah. late. In my opinion. I I think part of that's because he keeps on going up and down. Right. It's it's like he's he's the opposite of of you know it's annoying when when players leave a a League One team and you don't know who's going to be on the roster or will an MLS player play, you know he's up on the he's up on the first team sitting on the bench and you know that he's just not getting the same kind of playing time. Whereas Ronaldo Damas is you know he's on the field all the time and and has that chemistry with Arturo and and uh, uh, some of the other some of the other players on North Texas. Yeah. So. I, I don't uh, know. You send Stefan Marbury to China and he's scoring 50 a game. Like, you're down in League One, man. Doesn't matter. Perform. <laughs> <laughs> Fair you enough. Okay. So, so I, I, I have to bring up two other points because they are talking points. Firstly, the first goal in this game scored by Ronaldo Damas was scored in the 20th second. It's the new fastest goal in league history. Um, we can go through it, but basically it was poor defending on, on the left-hand side by uh, by Ivan. Uh, is it Magla Hayes? I never know how to pronounce his name. but um, I believe so. Oh, okay, fair, right, so we'll fair enough. We'll go with Ivan. I just call him Ivan. But it, it was he wasn't able to uh, close down Danso. Danso made a nice cross, and then um, you know Ronaldo Damas gets in between uh, Shanovsky and Shanovsky uh, uh, and Akwe, and and was able to get a basically a free header. So I know you guys on your podcast, Elliot, were talking about like what where was where was uh, Scotty Thompson or uh, you know tr- trying to where. Um, trying to get the ball, he was pushed up, right? So he was playing as a wing back. So he was further up and the back three were still back there um, because, because the kickers were in possession and it wasn't until um, it wasn't until the long ball was cleared back by uh, Breck Evans that, um, that, that, that counterattack was started. The other thing I will say too, is, is even though that you had scored two goals in the 61st minute um, and even, even at the end of the first half uh, you had um Brian Chin almost had a, almost had a goal in uh, um, not not Brian Chin. What am I saying? What's Dennis Chin's let? Dennis Chin. Sorry, um, <laughs> Dennis Chin is uh, he, so he almost had he almost scored in the forty first minute. So that would have made it two to one in the sixty first minute when it was still two nil. Uh, the kickers actually had three shots in a matter of around five seconds, none of which went in. I mean, uh, again, yeah. Chin, Chin should have been able to, to score. Um, Scotty Thompson just, you know, missed, missed kicked it a little bit and the ball went, went flying wide. Um, but, but, you know, it would have been a much different game. I think had, had either of those two very, very high quality chances. I mean, those are, those are XG like 0.95 XG chances, both of those, you know, yeah. uh, now you're speaking I mean, my I language, can... baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's expected goal for those of you who aren't stats nerds. So, um, so, so anyway, I, I do think that, that the kickers have to, yeah, you know, the, the kickers don't have to love this result, but at the same time, um, you know, there are some good takeaways to take from it. I think, you know, one thing is you could say Scotty Thompson had a pretty good time going uh, forward. You know, he, he had a couple of dangerous crosses that were in there that no one could finish. Um, you, you, you know, and you didn't control the midfield. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it came down to. And that's where, not having Bolduck and Troyer in there. Maxi Rodriguez started this game. He was the old captain and he he's just he doesn't do the same things that Brandon Troyer does, right, Elliot? Is that no, fair he to doesn't. say? Um, 
practice, right? I mean, I think we made a comparison of um, Maxi kind of being the uh, kind of being like the Michael Bradley slash parallel role. Like, if there's not a whole bunch of defensive work that he has to do, he's really able to flourish and be in his game. He's able to attack. He's able to look for the pass. But the kind of the moment he has to do a whole bunch of defensive work, he's not able to focus on the things that he wants to do. Um, and I think he got lost in it. I think North Texas kind of pretty much – and then Wampe, too, had a very poor game. I think both of them just got lost in the flow of the game. I think when North Texas was sending pressure, I think he kind of caught the ball. I mean, and Wampe dribbled the ball into the midfield and lost it where he could have made the easy layoff pass that would have laid pressure. Um, so those who really kind of played poorly, I mean – I give a lot of respect to my co-host that was on with me last night, Matt Myers. Uh, we kind of he talked about how you know most important thing, no one got hurt in this game, so that's good. Uh, two, this kind of was like a C-ish slash B-ish kind of starting lineup. I mean, you had like you said, you had Crafty, you had Wabi, you had Maxi that's now on the bench. Tim um, and Jackson are both I want to say our starting strikers, but Jackson got pulled early from Boateng. You had Ekerota starting. Um, Thompson has kind of been a backup and defensive stuff for us late on games. Um, he kind of got a start. So I think if if we score that, the Genesis has scored that chance in the, in the first half, it's a totally different game. I think if we score that goal in the 60th minute, maybe we score the second goal to claw back in, but who knows, you know. Well, the, the goal here for you guys now is, uh, you know, basically to – take points out of every game and uh, and then after that be able to uh, be able to get some help. So let's talk a little bit about points per game standings after week 24. Um, Weston, we have, uh, let, let's start with uh, North Texas, 1.96 points per game. Lansing Ignite, 1.68 points per game. Greenville, 1.48. And then you now have three teams tied for fourth. So Madison, South Georgia, and Chattanooga on 1.38 points per game. And right behind them, thanks to the uh, big loss to Lansing, is uh, FC Tucson with 1.35. So, uh, And then right behind them is Richmond Kickers with 1.27. So a win by, the, by Richmond and a loss by Tucson, and those two are tied. I mean, that's how close this is. Basically... Basically, the three teams in fourth all the way through Richmond and eighth are um, are basically like four points apart. And that's, you know, really, really tight and close race. TFC is not yet mathematically eliminated, although they basically would have to win out and everyone above them would have to lose all of their games. And basically that's impossible because some of them play each other. So um, <laughs> so that won't happen. Uh, so, so TFC is basically done. Uh, anything else on the standings, Weston, or should we go through the team of the week quick? Um, yeah, not, nothing too much else there. But yeah, if you look at sports club stats, uh, they put uh, they have Chattanooga's odds maybe higher than I'd expect. They have them at forty two percent to get in, thirty percent for Tucson, twenty percent for Tormenta, nineteen percent for Madison, and nine percent for Richmond. They have Greenville a little higher at seventy eight percent. So I mean, it's just. It's close, and I, I could easily see Greenville falling out too. So I mean, just oh, it's going to be a really fun last month. Yeah. So yeah, people, you know, people poo-poo the uh, the playoffs, but this fight for the playoff line is uh, pretty exciting, especially when you only have a two-game, 
you know, two game window to to win the championship. So look, don't, don't poo poo the playoffs. Look, if there was no playoffs, the season's over. Like literally, yeah, yeah. Texas it's, cannot okay. be Texas. Okay. Texas, Texas is one, right? And and there's not like the Champions League. And well, I mean, I guess that that's where people say though, I'm, if I'm it was. To, I'm about to step on my step box. Uh oh, oh, so so yeah, the the soapbox. Here we go. He's at Hyde Park okay. Corner. He gets up First on a soapbox. Start preaching. Who has problem with the playoffs? Is a Euro style. I'm just gonna put that out there for you. Second of all, let's get this straight because a lot of people talk about like American soccer, like the trash on it, and being like, "Oh, there's no playoffs. Oh, I want it to be one single table. I want every team to play every team twice." Let's get this straight. This is America. Like this country is darn near the size of all of Western Europe. If we were just playing, if you put 25 teams just in the state of Virginia, then it works. But you cannot say like, "Oh, I want to have a single table and have teams." from Massachusetts, play a team in Southern California and not think about travel costs. Also, this is the other thing. The playoffs are great. People, like, everyone latches on to the whole quote that Zlatan made about how there's nothing to play for through the regular season. The playoffs up. I would say this. MLS got their playoff structure wrong. USL got their playoff structure right. Because it would have been very easy for them to be like, oh, we have 10 teams? Bet six teams. But no, they made it four. So the best four teams get in. Even if that fifth and sixth team is great, they don't get in. That means you have games all the way up to the end of the season that still matter. You have, like, think about it. Even though I'm a Richmond Kickers fan, Richmond might not get into the playoffs, but it's the fact of the matter that I still have hope. I still have a game against Madison, a game against Tucson, a game against Chattanooga, and two home games that still effectively matter. At this point, last year when I was in USL League One, and there were what? 15, 16 teams in the playoffs, and I was dead last. I, we, people stop caring about the season August 1st. And it also, this other fact of the matter of is that people fail to realize that there are playoffs in other leagues around the world. Belgium, for instance, has a playoff. Germany has a promotion playoff. There are other leagues that have playoffs. They might have different variations of them, but playoffs are probably one of the best things that American soccer can hang his hat on and be like, hey, we got something right. Hey, Mexico has playoffs. And, uh, and they're not a, they're a soccer nation, aren't they? Mexico is better than us. <laughs> <laughs> at least three goals, at least four goals better in the last two months anyway. Uh, for the last three I'm months. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So very quickly, let's go over team of the week. I know we're running a little bit long here. Uh, so Lansing Ignite attacker Pato was named player of the week. Well deserved. Yeah, what we got? <laughs> <laughs> right. Also from Lansing, Tumi Moshibane and Grant Stoneman, like Weston mentioned. Richmond's Brandon Troyer, Ivan, and Akira Fitzgerald all made team of the week. So lots of lots of team of the week uh, represented on this podcast tonight. Uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves, Stephen Beattie, Forward Madison's Paolo Jr., North Texas's Ronaldo Damas and John Nelson, uh, and uh, South Georgia Tormenta's Marco Micheletto. Who would be on your bench, gentlemen? Maybe someone from one of the losing teams. So, like for example, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Herrera, OCB's goalkeeper, on my bench because he made the, a spectacular PK save. So with his left hand, we didn't talk about this, but he made a really nice save on that. Plus, he had seven saves. We know that he can do it. He just has a really really bad back line in front of him. Um, so anyone else, uh, Elliot? Do you have anyone else that you'd like to, you know, maybe give a shout out to who didn't make the team of the week? I would put um, Toronto's FC2 keeper. I know it was a draw, but I would put um, Clint Alcee up there. Yeah. He had some decent saves, and he looked really – I mean, even though he looked like a French fry, he took good control of his box. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Weston, you have anyone that you'd like to, uh, uh, that you think deserves to be in there? Uh, for the sake of your editing time, I'll, I'm good. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, let's see. Week 25 preview. All times are Eastern. Tw- week 25, that means four weeks left, gentlemen. We only have four weeks left of the season. It's crazy. Friday, TFC 2 in what Jason calls primetime, 4 p.m. They play OCB in a game that absolutely does not matter. I, want, I just want to listen to this and know that as soon as Ira said it, Winston popped up and looked so disgusted. <laughs> so um, that's, a, that's a game. That might be actually the seventh game of the season I don't watch. Um, I may not watch that one. You will, you will be forgiven. In fact, <laughs> uh, the next show, I forgive you guys for completely skipping it. You have no fan bases from either team to worry about. It's at 4 p.m. and the game doesn't matter. Moving on. Moving on to a game that has massive playoff implications, yes. and Tyler Polak will be suspended for this one on yellow card accumulation. It is the Greenville Triumph hosting FC Tucson. If Tucson has, needs to get a point here, if they really want to have a hope of staying in the playoff race, Saturday afternoon, two more games, three more games really with uh, massive playoff implications, one a little bit, uh, little bit less than the others. Lansing Ignite hosting the Chattanooga Red Wolves, massive Playoff implications. Richmond Kickers hosting Forward Madison, 7 p.m. with massive playoff implications. And South Georgia Tormenta hosts North Texas. This has massive playoff implications for South Georgia. Not so much for North Texas. Um, I mean, North Te- if I was North Texas, I'd just either totally rotate, but they won't. They'll play their first team, and they'll probably win 3-2 to two or something. Uh, so... Lansing, Chattanooga. Let's talk a little bit about it, Weston. Um, what do you guys need to do to shut down BD, Zayed, and um, Um I, I don't think we've played them with Hurst yet, but I mean, uh, if you look at the last home game, that I mean, Chattanooga had almost no chances. They looked very lethargic. Like I honestly think it was an energy thing. Like they gotta come out seriously for this game, and, and I'm sure they will because they know this game is very important to their playoff chances. But uh, the first. Lansing Chattanooga game was that weird game where it ended up 10 v 10 and Lansing lost two out of its three center backs. That was the draw, the home game. They kind of dominated them. So um, I, I think Lansing style is, is not great for the way Chattanooga plays. And I, I think they're much better at covering on counters now. So, I mean, <laughs> I try not to get too overconfident, but I feel pretty confident that Lansing will likely take care of business. Um, you know, they're not afraid to have someone kind of pull back to man mark like a BD or something like that. So we kind of previewed this match a little bit already, Elliot. But the uh, when you guys face off against Madison at the same time that Weston is going to be uh, behind the goal at uh, at and Lansing. Um, what do you guys have to do in order to to shut down to, to shut down the the sometimes potent attack of forward, you know, the the kind of the long balls there. You know, we talked a little bit about Eric Leonard needing to shut down Joe Gallardo for Madison to have a good shot, but what happens on, on the other side? How can you guys, you know, kind of stop the pretty potent attacks down the flanks? Uh, one, make sure Ford Madison gets massive food poisoning like Tottenham did. <laughs> um, now, outside of that and, you know, match fixing, um, I think really, I, I don't think Gallardo is going to be the real key piece. I think it's really going to come down, come down to Balduk, um, Greg, Bohem, and Troyer. I think if they can control the midfield, I think that's forwards one of weird weaknesses about how they play. 
since they get the ball so quick up the field, they kind of bypass their own midfield and they don't build up play. Um, they're looking to score very quickly. I think if our back line can just be controlled, I think if our midfield can control the ball, slow down the game, and get forward frustrated. And like you said, it's a massive game for both teams. It's more massive for Ford because Ford's on that fourth place line. But I have to, we got to be real. Richmond's eighth and the month of June effectively probably killed our playoff chances. I mean, if we do win, we have to win every single game without dropping a point. And to be real, that's probably a little bit unrealistic. Um, I mean, anything is possible. Like you always say, anything is possible. <laughs> but I think if we can frustrate turn forward, put the pressure on them and make them have to like rise to the occasion, I think it's well in Richmond's favor for us to pull off an upset. And as we mentioned, that will also be Heritage Night for uh, so. And if you need tickets, go see the uh, River City ninety three timeline or um, or email. Is it ninety three River City at Gmail? Is that yes. the right Gmail account? Hop in my DMs like that girl you like on Twitter. <laughs> fair enough okay fan questions let's uh, go through these uh, as quick as we can but still answer them appropriately if we would gentlemen uh andrew utoro asks uh has the league office been notified uh that the rochester rhinos will delay their return until 2021 i'm assuming they will given that the president of the club said uh, I, so on i the, think uh, he tweeted after that he got confirmation but yeah okay uh, yeah yeah yeah, so pre- pretty sure that that's happened. Um, John Howard Fusco asks, if the USL is intent on pushing more MLS two teams down to League One, does NISA, that's the, Nas- that's the National Independent Soccer Association, believe a uh, more attractive place for independent third division clubs, assuming that NISA shows some stability? Um, I don't think so, not yet. Um, th- that would be my take. Weston, do you have any particular take on this? I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's USL. Obviously, it depends on your club and and your financial situation, right? But uh, if if you have the money and you're making the choice, I think the vast majority are going to pick USL just because of the stability. And I mean, it's at this point, it's a pretty solidly established brand. There's still a lot of doubts about uh, Nisa. It, it could succeed. Obviously, there's some very successful clubs in there, but uh, I, I don't think at this moment it'll affect it. And yeah. I don't think, and honestly, some of these people investing might see that and think it's a good thing. Like, yeah, as fans, we might not like it, but they they see these teams and they might see stability. So, I, I wonder too. If, see, see, I think this is really where USL and Major League Soccer are talking about this. Is like, how do they they get the balance right between not making League One into an MLS reserve league and at the same time, you know, making sure that the teams that don't want to invest the kind of money to their reserve side you know, are are in an appropriate league and not being blown out all the time like they are in the USL Championship, right? So I think that's the balance that they're going to have to make. So that's why, you know, when I heard that Los Dos was coming down and, and maybe, you know, m- might be coming down and maybe Portland Timbers too, that wasn't a huge surprise given where they are on the table. Um, so... Um, so that wouldn't be a big surprise. Uh, Elliot, I know you have a lot to say on that, but in the interest of time, let's keep going, especially since he's since he's dying there. Uh, Sven, Sven Kelman asks, oh, uh, if, the league, if the league expands by conference play, so they're talking about having 15 or 16 teams potentially in two conferences, will conference champions play each other? If so, where? The best overall record, best points per game, uh, you know, how would it work from a player perspective? Um, I would guess that they, w- yeah, they they would probably still keep like a semifinal 
with the top two teams in each conference and then a final between the two and then the team with the best record basically hosts so uh, that would be my guess does anyone yeah. else have a different opinion i don't that's know. how championship does it that so. sounds like the, yeah that's a smart way how to do it keep us up yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little bit unfair. Granted, it's a little bit unfair because the teams haven't played all played each other, right? But you know, say la vie. I mean, it's the same thing, quite frankly, in MLS, right? Because MLS, the the conferences don't don't have an equal schedule with the, the East versus West. And that's uh, like like Elliot said. That's kind of the reality of American sports because it's a big country. Yeah. So TFC two in D three asks, do you suppose Tacoma submitted uh, their USL League One application after Danny Muscovist's Fourth went in. Uh, I'm guessing. I'm guessing this has to do with a game that I don't know anything about because uh, I only watched Red Bulls two in the championship this year. I, 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 th- I think I think Tacoma's probably given up four. I know they're like the worst team in the league. So uh, I mean, if we're talking logical teams that are going to move down over time, case by case basis, they seem to be the number one. They they could be the new OCB. So yeah, I think OC- no, OCB no, needs a competitive game too, guys. Come on. <laughs> Good to I think them and Atlanta United too are probably like the most likely. Okay, yeah, which is really weird given how good the first team of Atlanta is. Uh, so, Section O resident, someone who Elliot knows, uh, asks: Independent All Stars versus MLS Two All Stars. Who you got, Elliot? Who you Woo! got? That's an interesting right. one, right? Because you got it like is. you got like Gallardo, you got Connor Antley. You know the independent teams can put together pretty good, but then you just you know put North Texas against them, and and maybe Jordan Perusa. Yeah, but the MLS two teams like all seem to have. I mean, Texas is sort of the exception, but I mean, there's just so many weak backlines. Like, yeah, there's attacking talent for days, but uh, the independent squad would be so much more well-rounded. Hey, well rounded. Well, do you, well, like, did you consider FC get, Tucson? Like, do you consider FC Tucson a two team? Because with the exception of with the exception of the game against you, you just put you know Tucson's back line with you know North Texas's attack and you know. see this is the thing too about North Texas that a lot of people forget. But granted, North Texas is great attacking defensively. They are spotty. Like think about it. If Richmond scores that goal in the half and in the sixty first minute, it's a different game. I'm just saying. Like I I wonder. I would love to see it. Honestly, I would. Maybe I we would. should talk talk to the league about that, right? Do a little little all star game between them at some point. Which well, you know, let's not do an all star game. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like all star games personally. All right, Jason at Home Sweet Soccer asks. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's for him talking all this back on Twitter. So, so speaking about North Texas and their backline, Elliot, this goes right into that. North Texas has struggled with the press in four of their last five. So Richmond and Toronto just couldn't shoot the uh, shoot the Great Wall of China with a BB gun. Uh, with Lansing being the best pressing team and the hottest team right now, who is the current favorite to win the championship of USL League One? I go with Lancer. Yeah. I think with Lancer. I, I honestly. I hate to say it because playoffs is a different thing. You take the current four right now, four is proven they could beat North Texas. So that's not a gimme game for North Texas. Um, Lansing, I think, has played pretty well with Greenville. I mean, granted, I think that's the game that has the most red cards between any two teams. Um, and assuming that Lansing plays North Texas or Ford, I think you could go with Lansing. Either way, I mean, I, I, I truly think it's Lansing's to lose. 
I think the only thing Atlanta has to avoid is just the small, stupid mistakes. You know, can this is their first season playing this long into the year? Can they just be consistent? You know, Pato's proven that he's a proven goal scorer. Um, Nick Moose proven that he is quality. You know, it's just all about depth when you just get into the playoff. And can players like Alex Bruce, um, I think, and Cito, you know, can they prove – maybe not Cito. I think Cito's on another team. He's on, he's on Chattanooga. Yeah. It was another player for Lance. I can't think of his name right now. But just, you know, can the depth prove that they are quality? I think it's Lance's to lose, honestly. So Weston it doesn't want to jinx it. So I see him there like, oh, this is really uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> this is- I'll I'll just say, I mean, look, if it, if it was a neutral site finals, um, yeah, I'd probably say Lansing's a solid favorite. But uh, Texas will be home in that game. So that's the only reason why I think it's really close. But I would still put Lansing as the current favorite. I, I do think the more the larger pitch slightly benefits Texas versus Lansing style if they do play in the finals in Texas. But I I would still put Lansing as a slight favorite, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, You know, I would say that it's it's a little bit too close to call, but, you know, based on form, I think you have to kind of give it to Lansing. Um, Patrick Jacobs asks, overall, with the season coming to an end, if the playoffs were to end right now, would these four teams be your pick for the playoffs and uh, who would win it all? I think we just kind of went through that. Uh, would you feel someone getting left out of the top four would have a better shot at winning? That's an interesting question. So based on form, based on, you know, let's say that the table was as it is right now on points per game. You know, let's say that, you know, South Georgia Tormenta and uh, was not in. And uh, let's see who else was the other one. Tucson. Uh, it was Tucson, right. So let's say that those guys are not in who, um, uh, you know, Tucson and Chattanooga. Yeah, Madison actually is ahead of them because of wins. So the the first tiebreakers actually wins, and Madison has one more win than those other two teams. So so let's say South Georgia, Chattanooga, Tucson, Richmond uh, don't make it. Do any of those teams have a better shot than Lansing or North Texas? I, I would say no. I'd say no, but I think Tucson's style of play is like the perfect style of play for a playoffs. So just like strong defensively, just getting out on the counter. Uh, I, I that's the style. Like uh, the Timbers last year, they, they were kind of outmatched yeah. in, in a lot of games, but they they made it to the finals with that kind of style. So um, I, I'd say Tucson would be the scariest to be in like a one game playoff. What do you think, Elliot? I think if South Georgia could get their momentum back, because I mean South Georgia was solid defensively. I think. That thing was it just wasn't a consistent scoring team, but they relied so much on their defense. I think if they could get their mojo back, things happen. I think if they could sneak in, it could be possible. That, they can, uh, they that, mojo, upset. that mojo's been gone for a long time, man. I don't know. I don't it know if it's coming been. back. <laughs> Maybe that four draw knocks them back into it. We'll see. All right. So one more. We're talking about uh, we're talking about ProRel and playoffs and stuff. So TFC two and D three also asks, and I'm gonna yeah basically keep keep our answer short here. If USL offered to implement a, a La Liga style ProRel where the team with the worst points per game average over the over two seasons was relegated, would we accept that? No. <laughs> Isn't the whole point of the ProRel just like the ease and the simplicity of it? Like he started adding that in, and it's. Uh, I mean, I get enough hate for numbers. You start putting averages in there, these people lose their minds. 
All right. I'm good with that. So, Elliot, where can people connect with you? They can follow me personally on Twitter at Yogi McLovin. You can follow the podcast at River City 93. Um, we also have an Instagram now, same tagline, River City 93. You can follow us on there. Weston, how about <laughs> you? Where do you like to interact with people? Uh, Cap Combustion on Twitter. Uh, solid. <gasps> I had a '80s wrestling thread. People loved it, so I have solid. I have solid <laughs> just because of was it was that because of Hacksaw Jim Dugan or yeah yeah I just I just, I just yeah. my mind started racing and I I just started I, thinking. I, I'll 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 give you a hint how old I am. I saw on pay per view at Nassau Coliseum on Long Island <laughs> WrestleMania one. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Man, All right. that was back when Mr. T was fresh. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, we're also on we're also on Instagram. It's Hulkamania, baby. Yeah. Imagine um, Ira as a kid. Like, do you know the stats of how many? <laughs> I want to know what's ironic. I actually was not very good at math until I got into college. I actually yeah. was terrible. Now I'm an economist, right? So now all I do is math all day. I guess, I guess you have to be. Uh, but, but yeah, man, we're also like the current state like the, uh, state of our U.S. government. <laughs> Uh, we're we're also on Instagram, Capital Combustion. We usually do uh, post game stories. Uh, they were pretty drunk after Tucson, as you'd imagine. So that's always fun. Fair enough. And I can be found at Ira Jersey. Jason can be found at Home Sweet Soccer, and the show can be found at League One. That's League and the number one fun. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, and check out BGN.FM for other great soccer podcasts and written content, including Capital Combustion and River City '93. And all the written content also about USL League One, USL Championship, USL League Two, NWSL, MLS, and much more. Thanks to Roughneck Scarf. Oh, do it, Weston. Here, you're, you're on. You got to do it. Thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. And the NCAA. Sure. And get custom scarves <laughs> to your group or team. Roughneckscarves.com. Also, before we go, I see Elliot getting crap on Twitter for his marriage with podcasting. I'm with you, bro. I'm, I'm with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I promised my wife. I was like, just give me to November 1st. I'm yours. I'm all, all yours. I, I haven't told her about my postseason content plan for Capital Combustion yet, but yes, there will be a break, and it is solely for my marriage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think so, we're all going to do that, or at least slow down a lot. I, I plan on I plan on re-releasing some of the interviews we did during the year, just because I think if some people miss them, they might enjoy it. Yeah. Anyway, on for behalf of Elliot and Weston, I'm Ira. Hashtag support local soccer. Mm-hmm.